Screw it, screw it, we're just just gonna gonna talk about Spider-Man. Hey, welcome to Screw It, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. This is the podcast where we talk about all the original issues of The Amazing Spider-Man, all the stuff done by the original creators, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. I'm one of your co-hosts, and my name is Will Hines. I'm the other co-host, and my name is Kevin Hine. I'm in Los Angeles. Kevin's in New York. That's right. The magic of technology. We are here to explain stuff you didn't ask to have explained. Yeah, this is stuff we uh, no one asks us to talk about, and yet we talk about all the time. So now we're recording it to further that annoyance. But maybe you're somebody uh, who wants to hear this. Yeah, maybe you are a huge Spider-Man fan, but you've never read the original issues, which I'm telling you, you should do. You'd love them. They're great. Or you read them a while ago and you want to revisit them with us. Um, you know what? Then then you're psyched because that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, this episode, we're going to go over the Amazing Spider-Man issue number one. That's right. Which is the second ever issue of Spider-Man. Yeah, last episode, we went over Amazing Fantasy 15, which is the first appearance of Spider-Man. Uh, and so yep. now we're on to he has now gotten his own comic book. Yep. He's going to have a visit with the Fantastic Four. He's going to have his first uh, uh, battle with a villain. Um, so, yeah, we got a lot to cover. But uh, first, we have some podcast business to do. That's right. Uh, we have set up uh, some social media uh, mm-hmm. Things uh, uh, for you to contact us an Instagram. Things. No, things is the right category. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, we have an Instagram account, a Twitter account, and also an email uh, for you to contact us. So on the Instagram and Twitter account, we'll post images that we talk about uh, during this podcast and maybe some other stuff. Uh, we'll also plug the podcast when new episodes drop. Uh, and then email is just a way for you to reach out to us and, you know, chat. Yeah, and hang out. Make yeah. friends. That's right. Um, That's tell right. us about your day. The handle for all three of those things is screw it spidey. That's S C R E W I T S P I D E Y. So screw it spidey at gmail.com and then screw it spidey on Instagram and screw it spidey on Twitter. Yeah. Let us know what you think about Spider Man and the things we talk about. Yeah. Um, okay. So here we are on issue one. Kevin, what's going on in the Marvel Universe the time this comes out? Well, so this is interesting because uh, Amazing Fantasy 15 came out August of 62, and now we're in March of 63. So it took a long time for them to get the first issue of Spider Man out. Um, in that time, uh, Fantastic Four has been trucking along. So they're already at issue 12 this month. So this is like the, we're at the first year of Fantastic Four is uh, finished. Uh, Thor's been going a while. Um, uh, the Human Torch has a solo book for the last few months called Strange Tales. Uh, Ant-Man is uh, doing fine. Uh, he went, he yeah, Ant-Man was really an early part of the Marvel Universe in a way that I didn't appreciate. Yeah, he was the second uh, superhero. He came out in January of 62. But didn't start recurring until September of 62. So after Spider-Man was Ant-Man's second appearance. Um, But Thor, which debuted at the same time as Spider-Man in August, has been going monthly since Spider-Man's debut. So Thor took off. Human Torch started in October. Uh, The Hulk is still going right now. And this month will be Hulk issue number six, which is also the last issue of Hulk. He gets canceled after this uh, month and Iron Man debuts in March 63 as well. So a lot's going on in the Marvel universe. They've really uh, got a lot of characters. This is March 63. Yeah. March 63 in England. uh, The Beatles are releasing their first album. So this is uh, a couple of big revolutions are starting with this, uh, 
at this month. So Amazing Spider-Man number one, Iron Man and the Beatles all <laughs> starting right now. Um, OK, cool. So uh, let's dive into this issue. So, yeah. Um, so Amazing Fantasy. two stories in this issue. Yes. Uh, two feature on the cover. It says two great feature length Spider-Man thrillers. Yeah, I don't know what feature length uh, means. Feature length, I guess, means 10 pages. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, Stanley is nothing if not good at hyping stuff up. Um, our first story, uh, we see the splash page. Spider-Man's being called a freak and a public menace by the crowd. This is going to be a big turn in, in the in the Spider-Man mythos and an important one where we learn that a lot of the world hates him. Yeah. In Amazing Fantasy 15, his really only interaction with the real world is that he was on TV. He was on TV. He was kind of a big star. And then he caught a crook. Uh, and nobody knows why knows he did if that. Anybody knows about that, yeah. Yeah. Um, no one knows that it was because this guy killed his uncle. Yeah. And no one knows that this is a guy that he let go earlier in the story. So when we open up on Amazing Spider-Man 1, he's angry about Uncle Ben being dead. He's mad at his powers. Um, he doesn't even want anything to do with being Spider-Man. There's actually several issues before he really embraces being a hero. And it's actually something he's hesitant, hesitant about for a long time. Yeah, I mean, he definitely does heroic things in this issue, but uh, uh, in both stories, sort of not uh, altruistic hero reasons initially. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, we'll get into that, but they're both like he sort of backed into being a hero both times. Yeah. Um. So at the very beginning, on page one, we get into um sort of an important part of the Peter Parker universe, which is after up being up in his bedroom and recapping Amazing Fantasy 15 in his mind for the sake yeah, of us readers. He comes down not at being probably a good idea to recap it. Yep. He comes downstairs uh wearing his always fashionable Peter Parker outfit of a weird vest and red tie. Yeah, he's just casually at home sitting in yes. a tie and vest. Comes down and um Aunt May is talking to the landlord that she needs more time to pay the rent. They're really short of money, which stresses Peter out. Yeah. Also, the landlord Peter, looks exactly like Peter's science teacher. Just with a cigar, yeah. Yeah, Peter suggests even uh, quitting school and getting a job um, on the next page. But May and loves May him too much to hear let him do that. She won't hear that, yeah. So what's the first heroic thing that our Peter Parker thinks about doing in order to get money? Stealing. <laughs> yeah, immediately he's like, I guess maybe I need to turn to crime. Uh, the I only reason anywhere. he doesn't do it is... Not because it's wrong or right. It's because he doesn't want to hurt Aunt May. Yeah. He uh, has this little uh, uh, dream sequence where he imagines being in jail uh, with his Spider-Man costume on, but his mask off and Aunt May just crying, which is really <laughs> sad. I mean, yeah, he it's can't a let his Aunt May down. She's very sweet. So um, he's going to go back into the entertainment business. Last issue, he was on TV making money. And so he's just going to go back into it. So he makes that decision. Meanwhile, yeah, we cut it, to high school. Okay, it's very interesting. He learned this lesson in his first story that he's got he has to use his powers for good, but he's not. He's going to go back on television because he he needs money. There's just no two ways about it. We cut to high school. He's wearing his lab. Every time we see Peter in high school, he's almost always surrounded by beakers and chemicals. Yeah, like they really he, make sure to let us know that he is a science guy. He's always working really hard in the lab and almost always there's a group of teenagers behind him not doing anything but gossiping. But the first couple issues, the teenagers are really good at um, letting us know exposition about the story. Like this group of popular kids is is reading about news of the town always within earshot of Peter. Yeah, this is news that 
Peter probably already knew because it's about Spider-Man. Hey, gang, look, Spider-Man's going to put on a show at the town hall tonight. Town hall. He's going to like, what, go to this government? He rented out a government meeting room or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to talk about some uh, zoning issues that he thinks are important. Is it the New York? This is New York City, too. Town hall. Is there town hall in New York City? I think it's like there's bigger buildings than that. I mean, I would um, hope so. It's all the kids are going. They're like, uh, they're all talking about it. And Peter Parker, I don't think they're talking to him, but says, count me out, kids. I can't make it. And they're so angry at him. We might have known he'd rather study. Uh, who needs that walking bookworm anyway? Bookworms are bad, but walking bookworms, those are the worst. Yeah, yeah. It'll be more fun without him. Yeah, the world is incredibly mean to Peter Parker. All right, so he goes and – Spider-Man does his entertainment show, and it goes great. We see his normal tricks of climbing things, hanging from the ceiling, and also just spraying his web at stuff. <laughs> yeah, people love watching him just shoot web across the room. Now we come to a the first sort of logistical problem. A great thing that Marvel Comics does is it shows like real-world logistical snafus for their heroes. It's yeah. like legit very, very funny, I think. And this, um, I think, is the, a really funny sequence. Um, I think it's meant to be funny, and it reads as funny. Yeah, so after the act, Spider-Man wants to get paid. The agent guy doesn't have cash. He wants to give him a check. What name should I write the check out to? But Spider-Man doesn't want to reveal his real identity, so he says, just make the check out to Spider-Man. <laughs> right. And the agent says, okay, you're the boss, but you'll have a mighty tough time cashing it. Um, so then we go, Spider-Man goes to the bank, and this exchange is really funny between Spider-Man and the banker. Like, it's legit a pretty good sketch. It it's looks like sillier a than one panel, see, like a one-panel New Yorker or something. Yeah. Spider-Man's Spider like, holding I, a check, and there's a little yeah. banker dude, very official looking, very funny looking dude. Spider-Man's like, I'd like to cash this check. I'll have to see some identification. <laughs> what about my costume? <laughs> Don't be silly. Anyone can wear a costume. Do you have a social security card or a driver's license in the name of Spider-Man? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> so we don't see how that gets resolved. But then we cut across to another important plot twist, which is the newspaper publisher, J. Jonah Jameson, who's about to ruin Spider-Man's life. Yeah, he literally says, when I'm through with this article, Spider-Man will be run out of town. And then the agent is telling Spider-Man, um, well, you might as well go back where you came from. We uh, There'll be no show tonight or any night because the front page story on J. Jonah Jameson's newspaper is. Yeah, uh, it's a great headline. It's Spider-Man Menace. <laughs> and it's also described as an editorial. So I've ne I don't know how often like the New York Times has the headline be an editorial. Um, I'm guessing never. Uh, but the bugle, it's a common occurrence. Yeah, J. Jonah Jameson's stuff seems to be mostly editorials. He's also, yeah. we see him running a lecture series across town where he just talks about how terrible Spider-Man is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what this picture is. This is a picture of him punching a cop? Like, when did this ever happen? Oh, yeah. J. Jonah Jameson is showing a photo of Spider-Man punching a cop, but he never does that. Yeah, I don't know what that, it looks like that's what it is, right? Yeah. Or maybe that's him punching the crook from Amazing Fantasy 15, which nobody saw. So I don't know how that happened. Anyway, um, but he tells people that he uh, uh, takes law into his own hands. Kids might try to imitate his feats. And people shouldn't look up to Spider-Man. They should look up to an astronaut that also happens to be J. Jonah Jameson's son, John Jameson. Yeah, it, it's weird that anybody believes J. Jonah Jameson because he's so petty and mean and then so transparently just into his own stuff like yeah. if somebody was like this guy's a jerk you know who's great my son yeah I, I don't know if i would automatically listen to that person yeah i mean i mean 
pundits hit, you know? Um, so then Peter Parker uh, decides he has to start looking for a part-time job. He'll look through the want ads, but he's too young to get a job. He's still a kid in high school. Uh, and then he sees his Aunt May pawning some of her jewels for money. Um, and he sees John Jameson, the astronaut, being praised in, in the newspaper. And so at the end of sort of like act one, Peter Parker is pounding a wall in frustration. Yeah. I can't let Aunt May down, even if it means the Spider-Man will again stalk the city by night, uh, which yeah, makes it sound right. like he's considering crime again. Yep. Um, but before we get to that, we cut to a rocket launch. Um, yeah. Spaceship. I love this caption. Uh, because the caption starts with next day, having nothing better to do, Peter Parker <laughs> finds himself among the spectators, anxiously awaiting the orbit flight of John Jameson. <laughs> just the idea that he has nothing better to do. when We just saw him furiously desperate for money. Yeah, he's in the middle of like a, some high stakes problems. He's got plenty to do. But uh, I guess the next day he forgets about it and just lounges by a rocket launch. Yeah, he's like, well, I can't make money today, so I won't even try. Uh, so also, he goes like, to the, 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 the New York City rocket uh, pad. Yep. Uh, in Marvel Comics, 95% of all the events in the world happen in New York City, including this rocket launch. And so J. Jonah Jameson's son, John Jameson, gets into the rocket. And um, this is 1963, right? So, like, the space race is, like, a big part of the news. Like, we haven't even had have, astronauts since. I mean, I don't know if when this is drawn we had, but we've definitely sent someone to space at this point. Uh, the Russians definitely have. But this is really current. This is like very current stuff. It's like only happened in the last year. Yeah. Um, so we see John Jameson in his rocket shuttle being uh, shot into the air. But then something goes wrong. A part is malfunction and he begins plummeting to the earth and he's going to die. That's right. Uh, they, um, try to, they try to save him. They can't. And Spider-Man decides he has to save him. It's a dramatic panel of Peter Parker just clutching his mask. It's just a close-up on his hand holding his mask. There's only one person who can save John Jameson. And Spider-Man is now into action to save the day. Yeah, and I guess this is heroic. He, at this point, he's not thinking about, I'm doing this so that people like me again. I think he's thinking, like, I have to do this. This is the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, so he uh, he goes to the military guys who are running the mission and says, I'll save him. And the military guy's like, you might as well try. They give him a spare part to fix the uh, the shuttle. Yep. Or, or the rocket. Uh, and then Spider-Man steals an airplane. Uh, really commandeers an airplane very easily. It's a two-panel sequence where he goes to like an airfield, webs a guard, and then there's a caption that just says, within seconds, the mighty costume figure has commandeered a plane and a pilot. So that's yeah, uh, helpful. 10-page stories, like you can't waste too much time on logistics, so we just have to cut to him in a plane, somebody else presumably flying, and um, and Spider-Man standing on top of the plane as the ship conveniently is flying right by. Like the plane just catches up with the spaceship somehow. Yeah, I mean, I would guess that this thing is just hurtling around the Earth. I mean, I, I can't think it's just like spiraling around New York this whole time while he got in costume, went to visit the general, got a plane. It sort of looks, it sort of feels like... I'm sure this isn't true, but it sort of feels like the ship is just doing laps over the airfield or something like that. Yeah. The space. For, I mean, John Jameson must be nauseous just from spinning around above <laughs> the city. 
So we have some awesome panels of Spider-Man riding on top of a plane, using his web to catch the ship as it goes by, being pulled through the air, climbing onto the ship and replacing the part. Yeah. Uh, I mean, which is a terrifying thing to imagine doing. He can't fly. Uh, just hanging on the outside of it. Yeah. You're standing on, on top of a plane of and then hanging on the outside of a ship. This is a guy who just got his powers a month or so ago. Yeah. Um, pretty gutsy. He, but he saves John Jameson. John Jameson lands on the earth safely. Spider-Man is so sure that he's going to be loved that he runs away so that he doesn't have to deal with the mobs of fans. He's back in his room in Queens with I mean, he should speakers. be loved, right? He, the one person who hates him, he just saved that guy's son. And people love astronauts. You save an astronaut, you're you're a national hero. Yeah, uh, but he gets home, and the headline of the next paper is the newspaper demands that Spider-Man be arrested and prosecuted, which is too long a headline by J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, that's not a good headline. That's a full sentence. Um, but yeah, somehow he hates Spider-Man even more. And I, I can't understand what – I guess it's just that he stole the spot. He thinks it's all like a conspiracy that Spider-Man set it all up just to look like a hero, that he deliberately yeah. caused the accident. This is some real yeah. Benghazi stuff going on here. Yeah, Spider-Man sabotaged the rocket so that he could save the day, and everyone buys it. Uh, yep, the New York City is convinced. Uh, this was all set up by Spider-Man to look heroic. Uh, there's yep. wanted posters. And so the end of the story is a sad ending for Peter Parker. He's got no money. He's hated by the city. He can't do entertaining. What is he going to do? He's not even wearing a tie in the last panel. He's so anxious. Uh, His last speech balloon is pretty dire. Yeah. Uh, Or must I be forced to become what they accuse me of being? Must I really become a menace? Because that is the only course left for me. Uh, Yeah, not because, perhaps. So he's considering. Perhaps perhaps that is the only course left for me. Sorry. And Aunt May is even talking about how she think Spider-Man is horrible and they ho- she hopes they lock him up. <laughs> it's a really interesting, like, so I, I love this setup. Like, I, you know, it's really fun to make fun of Stan Lee's, like, you know, crazier moments of, like, very exaggerated dialogue or, you know, the, or the weird story decisions they have to make to make a story work in 10 pages. But there's also just a lot of really smart things done here. And in one issue now, we've, Spider-Man is kind of like, in the same emotional place as Peter Parker. Peter Parker's hated by all the popular kids at school. Spider-Man's kind of hated by all the popular people of New York City, sort of. Yeah, it's it's also just very interesting. Like, you get these powers, you think, this is a great thing that's happened to me. I have superpowers. That's fantastic. This is going to be great. And it ends, and it really is terrible for him. Yeah, it doesn't work he out well. He can't use them. He can't make money. Uh, it's like, it hasn't helped his life at all. Yeah. Bad news. All right, so story number two, our second feature-length thriller. Uh, He's going to meet up with a villain called the Chameleon, and he's also going to meet the Fantastic Four. Yeah, it's almost two stories in one. So really, there's three feature-length thrillers in this 22-page comic. That's right. Uh, So here we are on the second one. Peter is still trying to figure out how he can make money. Um, yeah. And so he has uh, an idea that he's going to try to join the Fantastic Four. And I know you like looking at Peter's room. Yes. His room in this first panel looks uh, crazy. Yeah, there's he's got a big spider under glass. That's right. Uh, he's got a poster of the Fantastic Four that I guess he's been studying. Um, yeah. Books everywhere. It's very cluttered. You don't see his lab equipment that we see in other issues, but... He's taking off a green suit. No, he's putting on a green suit to go visit the Fantastic Four. Oh, also yeah. we should say uh, he's not referred to as Peter Parker in this panel. 
Right. This whole story, he's referred to as Peter Palmer, um, which is, I guess these stories were written uh, after like after long breaks because the Amazing Fantasy 15 got canceled. It's been seven months. Uh, it's not like these stories were be do- being done one after another. I think it was Stan Lee either fighting for it or fan writing letters and he's decided to do more. And you know, Stan Lee, I think, doesn't spend the time to go back to the old issue and make sure he knows the name correctly. So it's Peter Palmer for this issue. <laughs> um, so uh, we see Spider-Man coming to the Fantastic Four's headquarters, the Baxter building. Um, I love when Marvel has like fictional landmark buildings like the Avengers Mansion or the Baxter building yeah. or Doctor Strange's Greenwich Village pad. Yeah, I mean, if there was a superhero team that lived in a skyscraper in the middle of our city, it would 100% be one of the most famous buildings in our city. Yep. Um your city. I'm a LA guy now, pal. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. LA would be so jealous. We'd be chill about it, man. We'd be like, that's cool, man. He's like doing his thing. You have zero superheroes and we've got thousands. Um, if we had a superhero, he'd be really healthy. He'd be very spiritual. He'd be into numerology and he would just be the nicest person. Um, so Spider-Man has to break into the Baxter building because there's no like visitor lobby. So he's like, great, that'll be a good demonstration of my powers. But by breaking in, he sets off the alarm and the Fantastic Four thinks it's an invader. Yeah. Uh, and this is a, just a really well-drawn sequence, this whole uh, sequence where he breaks in and fights the Fantastic Four. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, he leaps in, this big glass dome closes around him. He we catches to- it at the last minute, forces it open. Yeah, we get and then, to like, see fights each of them like, one by one. Doing their stuff. You know, the thing is being strong. Spider-Man's leaping around and breaking things. Mr. Fantastic is stretching. Human Torch is turning into a ball of flame. The Invisible Girl is turning invisible and holding a rope. Yeah. It's an interesting sequence. They do this a lot in comics when they create a new character. They put them up against a popular existing character to show how great this new character is. Like, this character can hold its own against your favorite. So, like, a lot of times characters will face Spider-Man very early on or Wolverine. And it's, they'll be like, oh, wow, they're as tough as Wolverine. They're as tough as Spider-Man. It's funny to but think. here we see Spider-Man. Yeah. Proving himself against the most popular Marvel characters, the Fantastic Four. It's funny to think of Spider-Man as like the up-and-comer and Fantastic Four as the more established, famous thing. Because nowadays it would be totally reversed. Like, yeah, if they were touring the country, Fantastic Four would open for Spider-Man. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Spider-Man is way more popular, uh, way more established in people's eyes. But not here. Uh, not at this. Not in March 63. Fantastic Four have had 12 stories. and This is Spider-Man's second. Um, so he holds his own against the Fantastic Four, which is impressive, but they're also just find him really annoying and they, they don't quite know what his angle is. Oh, he, he, they, he finds out that they, Mr. Fantastic stops the fight and Spider-Man is pretty cocky and angry in his response. Yep. I came up here to join up with you. I want to be a member of the Fantastic Four. So I thought I'd give you a demonstration of what I can do. So now let's get down to business. How much does a job pay? I figure I'm worth your top salary. <laughs> he's, he's really getting out of brass tacks pretty fast. Yeah. Demanding top salary, too. Like, you're the new guy, if nothing else, even yeah. if they said yes and they did pay money. I hate to be OCD also, but nobody addresses than... that the name is has four in it. And if he joins, there'd be five. Yeah. Uh, Eventually, there's a great story that they do in, in What If, which was a series of hypothetical Marvel stories that don't actually happen where they do let Spider-Man join. They become the Fantastic Five. Um, Okay, so he gives up. It didn't work. We have a cool fight sequence, but it's all for nothing. So Spider-Man leaves and the Fantastic Four are left to wonder 
about uh, what's going to become of this guy. Yeah, they mock him because like they're a nonprofit organization is what they tell him. <laughs> yeah. We pay no salaries or bonuses. Any profit we make goes into scientific research. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so Spider-Man angrily leaps out the window and swings away. And then Keep me out of your group. Who needs you? I'll make you guys look like pikers. <laughs> Spider-Man's got an angry streak. He definitely, um, yeah. he can be upset. So now. Which makes sense. Everyone is mean to him. That's the true. Yeah, he's had a hard him. life. Yeah. No parents. And then his foster, his foster parents, his aunt and uncle, one of them has been murdered. Yeah. Um, he has, city hates him. The FBI has a reward out for him at this point. So then for no reason, we cut to a villain called the chameleon. Um, I'm going to say this it. Is the first super villain, I guess. He's a masked, uh, he's a masked villain. Yeah. With like plots and schemes and stuff like that. Yeah. But he is a uh, second rate at best. Yeah. You've probably never heard of the chameleon and that's because he's dumb. Um, yeah, his opening. He definitely recurs. He definitely recurs. He comes back a handful of times throughout a Spider-Man's history, but he's never been a top tier villain. Um, I'm not expecting there to be a movie where the chameleon is the main villain. Uh, here in his first panel, we see him having tied somebody up and the chameleon is declaring with my multi pocket disguise vest. It will be an easy matter for the chameleon to become you friend janitor. <laughs> Yeah, so it's not like he's got a special power of disguise. He just owns a vest with a lot of masks in it. This is a guy with a lot of wigs, and that's enough to be a supervillain in 1963. So he, like, break. this is a defense installation, and he breaks in and, like, steals a bunch of plans that he's hoping to sell later, and he does it by disguising himself as a janitor and then as a scientist. Uh, and it works great, and he gets the plans. Yeah, I mean, the chameleon's a successful villain. Um, he reads the newspaper about Spider-Man trying to join the Fantastic Four and immediately and correctly surmises that Spider-Man is desperate for money, which I, th- yeah. I think is and kind Spider-Man. of a big leap, but he's able to figure it out in one guess. And he's right. Yeah, uh, characters are good. Again, these are short stories. We don't have time for them to be wrong or do more research. We can't have him go to the library and go through the card catalog to figure out what Spider-Man's up to. He needs to just know it in a panel. I mean, if it was a longer story, that's the first thing I would want. Yeah, pages and pages of library research microfiche yeah microfilm i want to know what category the dewey decimal system does he look at uh, is the library well funded uh does he like print research or or microfiche research um, but instead chameleon constructs a device that transmits messages on a spider senses frequency so he assumes that there are spider senses and there are and peter parker Sorry, Peter Palmer can hear his That's message. Right. Yeah. And Peter Palmer right now is at a neighborhood museum. I'm a spider studying exhibit. Studying spiders. Yep. Yeah. They have a spider exhibit. <laughs> I think it's just a convenient way for Steve Ditko to draw Peter surrounded by pictures of spiders. Yeah. There are uh, seven spiders in this tiny panel. Uh, the message that he hears is this. Calling Spider-Man. Meet me on the roof of the Lark building at 10 tonight. It will be very profitable for you. Yeah. And Spider-Man thinks, well, no matter who it is, I can't afford to pass up a chance for profit. Chameleon uses all of his masks and things to break into um, a building and he steals stuff and he dresses up as Spider-Man. Yeah, he steals missile defense plans. Yeah, there's a lot of military stuff uh, in Mar- in the Marvel Universe. Um, so he has a helicopter waiting for him and the chameleon dressed up as Spider-Man gets away with these military defense plans and yeah, there's a great image of him running up the stairs with the plans under his shoulder and his disguise vest uh, his being carried along with him. Yeah, <laughs> can't leave the disguise vest. Yeah, I guess the technology is that it has a lot of pockets. That's like normal people are not able to construct so many pockets in their vests. Yeah, we could all be great masters of disguise if we only had enough pockets. 
So he leaves the place uh, just in time for the real Spider-Man to arrive and take the blame from the police for the robbery. Which, again, Spider-Man realizes almost immediately what's going on. Uh, At the very beginning, he's like, I'm beginning to smell a rat. And then one panel later, what a fool I was. The message was a trick to pin a crime on me. And I fell for it. And he also realizes where the chameleon went. The helicopter the pilot is the one the police really want because he saw a helicopter flying by as he came to the, the building. So, he, we have so a, within two panels, he knows the plan and knows where the villain is. Yep. No time to waste with being wrong. We have a really great action sequence. Um, these early issues of Spider-Man, Ditko and Lee, uh, really come up with cool things that Spider-Man can do with his abilities. And this one, he makes a giant slingshot and flings himself very high above the city. Yeah, very high, very far, four or five, maybe even six blocks. I mean, yeah, he's almost looks like a whole building's height above buildings, which would look yeah, we see him just walking down the street and saw a dude just fling himself through the sky. Yeah, we see him mid arch and it looks like he's already gone three blocks good sound effect Twang. i love good sound effects yeah he makes a parachute and uh lowers himself to a motorboat you have to, that's just, you have to wonder uh, if he's practiced any him. of this like did he practice making a parachute out of webbing or was this something he just came up with while he was in the air at this point you know yeah thank god this worked there's no buildings for him to hit with his web because he's by the water now i mean he would just Crash into the river. I think like knitting a parachute out of webbing would be difficult to do in the air, but it seems to be easy for him. And I'm glad. So it comes naturally. Uh, the chameleon is here. I mean, maybe it's a thing he did on his TV show appearances. Oh, I like that. You just you just won a no prize. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stanley would offer no prizes for uh, he would. People would write in with problems or mistakes. Yeah. Or, complaining about like, oh, like what I just did. How did he know how to do the parachute? When did he learn how to do that? Something some kind of like poking a hole in the plot type of thing. Right. And if you suggested a solution to it, Stanley would say you want a no prize. Yeah, no hyphen prize. He would like publish your letter you know, that, that contained the problem you pointed out and the solution you proposed. And then in response, Stanley would be like, you win a no prize. We're going to send it on its way to you. But that's like a P.T. Barnum thing where like there is no prize, of course. Great joke, Stanley. And um, <laughs> but it is a really funny thing because then it became a tradition for Marvel readers to come up with excuses to cover up plot holes. Right. If someone would write in with just a plot hole, they'd be like, we'll offer a no prize anyone who can solve it. And people would take that challenge. <laughs> so, Kevin, you just won a no prize. He did the parachute. Um, very excited. On a TV show. Uh, and that's where he learned to do it. I, I accept that uh, answer. So we see the anyway. chameleon meeting a Russian submarine, which has emerged in New York Harbor. Yeah, they're bold Russians. They are um, just sitting right in New York Harbor uh, waiting for the chameleon, which is just like, I mean, that's an act of war. In 1963, come on. I mean, there was the Cuban Missile Crisis not 12 months ago. We almost went to nuclear war. And if you send a full Russian submarine with a huge Soviet symbol in in, uh, in plain view to meet a guy with a multi-pocketed vest because he... Has some plans. Yeah, that's pretty aggressive. Yeah, this guy is bad news. But they're never going to get the plans because Spider-Man attaches his web to the helicopter, swings up to it. Well, first he covers up the sub with a web. Uh, he oh, jams yeah. the hatch. That's right. 
So they can't even get out of the submarine. Yeah. And they immediately leave. <laughs> yeah. The re- <laughs> Once they can't open their hatch, these Russians are foiled and go back to the Soviet Union. I mean, these guys were probably around during World War II. Like, World War II wasn't too long before 1963. At least the commander yeah. of this sub probably saw major action in World War II. But one closed hatch and he's turning tail and running. Yeah. He was brave enough to sit in the harbor for hours, days, who knows how long. Hatch is jammed. Head back Let's to Russia. Here. We've been seen. Submerge. Um, Spider-Man goes to the helicopter. He rips the door off and then uh, captures the beautiful. chameleon. I love how easily he rips that door off. Yep. It just looks – the, somehow that image it looks makes great. it seem easy. We're making fun of some of like how rushed the story is, but Ditko's art is truly great. Like It really adds a lot of like veracity to the story. Like It makes it look cool, and the fights look great. Yeah. I mean like it's, it's a really fun comic. Uh, so he catches the chameleon. Uh, yeah. The chameleon at first actually disguises himself as a police officer. Oh, he catches the chameleon, but the chameleon breaks free again. Yeah. And then disguises himself as a police officer so that he can escape with the police officers that are looking for him. Yeah. The police officers are searching for the chameleon in this building. Um, but he's disguised as a police officer, which means the other police officers do not notice the new police officer who's just showed up. That's right. But Spider-Man's spidey senses... Uh, this is our first issue where he's had them. Uh, he's using them to detect. He knows something's up. Yep. Uh, my query is close within striking distance, says Spider-Man. So the chameleon turns off the lights. Now we have a little mini sequence in the dark where Spider-Man is using his senses. Or, and no, he doesn't use his senses. He just spots that there's a dude running away from the pack and he grabs. It. Yep. And then the lights come back on and the police officer he's grabbed says, it's the chameleon disguised as Spider-Man again. Right, so they try to arrest Spider-Man, so he has to run away. He's just like a Soviet sub-captain. He turns tail immediately. Yep, the, the couple of police officers grab him, and he just leaves. He's like, forget it. I can't do it. <laughs> but Every time I try to help, I get into worse trouble. They'll have to catch that spy themselves now. I actually love that part of these Spider-Man stories that Peter Parker gets fed up so fast. It's very relatable. When I was a kid reading it, I would sort of be cheering him on. I'm like, yeah, that's right. They're being jerks to you. Get out of there. Yeah, you don't owe them anything. Um, but... He accidentally had torn the chameleon's police disguise, so now that he's left, the cops can see that this this one new cop had a Spider-Man costume underneath his uniform, and they figure out, oh, this is the chameleon. Yeah, but Spider-Man doesn't know that. He's running off into an alley, crying. Yeah, his dialogue is, nothing, nothing turns, turns out, out right. right. Yeah. Nothing turns out right. Sob, I wish I'd never gotten my superpowers. I really love it. I love the angst and the sort of like indecision of Spider-Man in a, in a lot of these like early Ditko issues. It really makes it human. I mean, this is a crazy first issue of a superhero where both stories end very sad. Yeah, both stories end worse than they started for the hero. Um, the villain has a vest. Uh, he saves an astronaut and nobody cares. Um, it's rough going for Spider-Man. Yeah. So he's just, uh, it's very interesting to to have your great new hero fail in his own mind, at least. The last panel of this second story has the Fantastic Four reading about this chameleon thing. And they're trying to guess what's going to happen to Spider-Man. Sue, Sue Storm, the invisible girl at this time, not yet the invisible woman, because Marvel Comics is decades away from being progressive. She's thinking, Reed, he's so powerful and so confused. What if Spider-Man ever turns against, turns his superpowers against the law? Yeah. Um, so again, they're 
like this whole issue teases the idea that Spider-Man could become a villain. It's fun. I love it. I wonder how much of that is because Spider-Man was born in Amazing Fantasy, which was a bunch of sci-fi stories that would usually have like dark twist endings. I wonder if like Stan Lee and Steve Ditko are in the habit of trying to come up with sort of like dark endings. Yeah, because I mean that's not necessarily an important part of that character. You don't see that in movies, him considering – uh, becoming a criminal. Ever. Yeah, he's he's pretty solidly good at all times. He'll, he'll want to quit the whole jam sometimes, but he never really considers going evil. But in these early issues of Spider-Man, the narrator is taunting it as a possibility. Uh, and that's yeah. the end of our... He often, yeah, he often quits or just wants to be a normal person, yep. but he doesn't want to steal or hurt. Um, that's the end of our issue. That's the end of Amazing Spider-Man number one. Yeah. Um, so let's give out our which awards. Which is a great... A great, beautiful debut issue. Yeah, uh, for the for the title. yeah. There's actually there's a lot of things that are in place here. We got J. Jonah Jameson in place. We have that he needs money. That he's kind of an outcast, both in his civilian identity and his superhero identity. The art is already great, and it's going to get better. Um, we're 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 getting a lot of things in place here. He's met other characters in the Marvel universe, so he's become part of the larger superhero universe. Yep. That's cool. Um, so let's give out our awards. What's your favorite Great. panel? All right. So uh, in the first story, which is the space uh, uh, shuttle accident, yep. uh, page nine. Yep. I think there is a uh, he's jumping out the window. Great, or charging out the window. A great panel of him leaping out the window. Yeah, the last panel which is panel six on page nine. It's where he is just steeled himself to go save the days. Two fists just running right towards uh, you, the reader. It just looks great. It looks very heroic. It's maybe the first really heroic image of Spider-Man. I think that's a great one. My favorite one is also from story one. The next page, page 10, the last panel, it's the wide shot of Spider-Man standing on the plane as the space capsule zooms by. And it's just a panel that goes across the whole row, and it's sort of strikingly big and cool looking, and um, it's exciting. And it's just, it's yeah. Any any panel where Steve Ditko shows something in motion, I think, always looks great. Showing that like uh, the little rocket pod fly by looks great. Um, I also like the on the same story page eight. I'm going to cheat a little bit and give an extra one. This is my second choice. Is that one I mentioned before where he's holding the mask in his hand and he's saying like, "There's only one person who can save John Jameson now." I think that's kind of a cool, cool yeah. little panel. It's very cinematic. It's just an image of his fist holding the I mask. I love it. Um, you don't see anything. Okay, else. what's your favorite Stan Lee dialogue? Uh, great. So uh, for me, it's from this fight with Fantastic Four where they're trying to close him in the plexiglass dome cage uh, and Spider-Man uh, isn't going to let it stop him. And he says, this gizmo may keep out the riffraff gruesome, but it's a joke to me. <laughs> uh, the use of the words riffraff and gruesome, it's just very Stanley. Yep. Even gizmo. Uh, the lingo. Um, yeah, gizmo. Yeah, it's just a lot of slang. Uh, mine's also from the Fantastic Four story. It's when he's first breaking in and the FF are... Three of the FF are clamoring on the monitors to see what is he trying to do? But the thing is, can't even be bothered to look. He's reading his newspaper and his dialogue is, they're trying to speculate, why is he breaking in? And Thing's response is, because he's a teenage cornball show-off, just like the torch. Ben Grimm, uh, Stanley writes great Thing dialogue. Uh, Thing is one of the all-time great Marvel characters, and he's funny here. Um, Great. So what's your highlight? For this, uh, okay. Issue. Well, um, my my highlight is the uh, character of J. Jonah Jameson. Um, just like what a great character! Just this weird, you know, paranoid, fearful, um, angry newspaper publisher who really has it in for Spider Man. He's also very corny and funny. 
um, he's a he's a great addition to the Spider-Man universe. So that my highlight is kind of his 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 introduction. Yeah, I mean, at the time when I was reading this, I don't think I'd ever thought of a character like this before. And nowadays, with like Fox News, it feels yeah. like an easier jump to have somebody yeah, like this exist. Their in a own story. personal prejudices are like determining very nakedly like the news agenda and it's and it's also very like fear-based you know who knows what this guy's up to like using doubt as a story like since we don't know we have to assume it's bad right Uh, and that chijona falls right into that Uh, my highlight is the air chase with the chameleon we talked a little bit about it him slingshotting himself across the city him grabbing on to the uh uh helicopter and being swung around it and a lot of wide shots of just a tiny spider-man hanging on to the helicopter. I think it's just a really fun sequence. It's, it's a great, the action sequences are really great. Um, what's your low light? Great. Let's do your low light first. Okay, it's that he's called Peter Palmer, that they get the name of the character wrong for half the issue is my low light. Um, yeah, and I think that's very fair. <laughs> that is, I, mean, I mean, that's definitely the biggest low light. In I mean, the at least story. to get his superhero name uh, right. They call him Spider-Man and not like Spider-Human or whatever. Arachnid yeah, yeah. Man. You get the hyphen in there and everything. Yeah. Um, it is ridiculous. Three or four. It's not just like a one-time typo either. It's three or four times in that story. Peter Palmer. I think it's three yeah. times. He's referred to as Peter Palmer. They never get it right in that story. Uh, because you chose that, I think that's clearly the low light of this story. But I think the second lowest light is the chameleon often bragging about his multi-pocketed disguise vest. Uh, you don't need to explain. If this guy's a master of disguise, that's we all I understand that. We don't need the logistic. Like when you say you're a master of disguise, it's not like I think, yeah, well, how do you carry all your wigs? <laughs> right. That's not what the problem is. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Like you could just have a bunch of wigs handy. I'd, oh, a multi-pocketed vest. I mean, they should use this in Game of Thrones because they have those faceless guys. Yeah. Uh, uh, those faceless assassins. A man right? has. How do yeah. they carry their A mask? man has a vest with many pockets. A girl needs a vest <laughs> with many pockets. That's the that's the whole training sequence that Arya has to go through <laughs> is just shopping for a vest with enough pockets. Not enough pockets. Mm, only four He's pockets. He's failing. Like, there's just not, not enough. enough. Yeah. Um, uh, but the chameleon, plenty of pockets. Uh, all right. Well, that's our first issue. Uh I'm excited. Um, you know, yeah, this first issue is great. I think the next issue is even better, and the third issue is even better than that. Like, yeah, we're ramp- we're ramping it, up here. It gets really good really fast, uh, and I think this issue is fun. This is a super fun issue, despite the silliness and some of the oh, yeah. slight misses. I mean, you can definitely story. tell that Stan Lee and Steve Ditko have done a million comics before. Like they're really good at the basics, like just a good fight and a good like intro of an emotional problem for the hero. Like these are we got some we got a couple of pros here. But even compared to the amazing fantasy stories that uh, Steve Ditko drew, the non Spider Man yeah. ones, this looks way. Yeah, he's better. Bar- he's bearing it, down. It on seems it, like yeah. this is more. He's more passionate about this, or he's just told to spend more time on it. I yeah. don't know. It looks They're trying to great. build something to last here. Yeah, this is not a throwaway one-off story. They want this is this is for and real, they're, and they're going to do it. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, I don't know if you know this, people who are listening. Spider-Man becomes pretty oh, yeah. popular. Not to spoil anything, but the character of Spider-Man becomes very popular. There's actually been movies out about him. Yeah, you you probably haven't noticed. Uh, but there have been uh, Marvel likes to really six, release its movies very quietly without a lot of publicity. Yeah. Sort of six indie live action Spider-Man movies. He's like little lo-fi passion projects from auteurs. Yeah. He's going to tie into the Avengers, which is another movie you've maybe heard about if you really small time movie. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, great. they know what they're doing. He's doing well. What I'm saying is 
they put they put their energy into the right character. Um, all right, so uh, that's our episode. So remember, you can get in touch with us on social media. Screw it, Spidey on Instagram, Twitter, and Gmail. Uh, please let us know what you think. If you've read these issues and you have opinions, or you think we're leaving something out, or uh, whatever you want, let us know. And yeah, reach out to us. And uh, next episode, we're going to go into Amazing Spider-Man Two, which is another two-story uh, uh, tale. And it introduces the Vulture, which is a true uh, major so Spider-Man like villain like, who's great. Yeah, that's a character who has some staying power more than the Chameleon. You see him a lot more. Um, Although the Vulture so has that no discernible pockets, that's that's a possible weakness for the Vulture. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he he can't disguise himself. That's one weakness he definitely something's, has. He's got to look yeah, like the Vulture. Something Spider-Man should keep in mind. Uh, so yeah, look for that episode uh, in a week or so. All right, guys, uh, see you next episode. Stay tuned, true believers. Excelsior! Screw it, screw it. We're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. What's a creative podcast network?